All right. Hello, everybody. Good morning. I'm Rob. I, uh, yeah, I, I do go to this church. Sit right over here. Sometimes you might have seen me on the stage. Usually I play the bass, so I'm in the shadows over there. But it's fun to be up front. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I get, I get a text. I think it was a text from Pastor George. Uh, and it's Saturday. And, and I'm thinking, I didn't even know Pastor George had my number. And, and so he's like, hey, Rob, he's like, can you help me out with, uh, with the services? I need someone to preach. And so I'm thinking, wow, tomorrow. And I'm thinking, I'm out in Newport, and we're building a house, and I'm switching like a water, tankless water heater, so I have like electrical disconnected, like 100 amps of 220 just sitting there. And I've got my main water, and I've got someone coming on Monday, and I'm like, and so I'm like, yeah, I want to preach. I'm like, put me in, coach. I'm all excited. And, and so I write back, and I'm like, is this for tomorrow? Is this, like, yeah. It's like, I'm like, call me. And so I'm like, oh, I better get, I run off to eat some food, because I'm thinking i got to drive back, and then maybe how am I going to try to fix it, and then drive, get there at midnight, and then wake up and preach? Or should I try to, like, uh, get back here and preach, and then come back? And so then I'm driving to go get food, and, and the phone rings, and, and it's like, it's like, <coughs> hey, Rob, <coughs> it's Pastor George. And I'm like, hey, Pastor George. He's like, I can't go. I'm sick. <coughs> then all of a sudden, I hear Ann laughing in the background, and they're, they're just pranking me. It's actually, they're like, no, no, you don't have to preach for, like, six weeks. So I was all excited. I'm like, yeah, come on. This is my big chance. Um, pretty, so I'm pretty excited to be up here. Um, I am a teacher at Multnomah, and so I get to speak once in a while. Man, have you been watching TV? Have you been uh, on the social network lately? That was a tough week. That was a bad week in the world, wasn't it? I mean, you got like the bombing in Manchester, the terrorist bombing, and then, you know, in Egypt, the Coptic Christians, a couple buses of people just going on a trip, and guys come up with machine guns and start shooting them. And then, of course, right here in Portland uh, on Friday afternoon, you maybe heard about the Max attack. Uh, there's, a, there's a racist guy, a white supremacist, and he starts yelling at these two young girls, and everybody's getting scared. Um, and so, you know, three courageous, maybe more than three courageous people come up, and they're saying, hey, stop it. You know, you can't do this. Um, and for their bravery and courage, he pulls out a knife and attacks two of them, kills two, uh, wounds a third. It's been a tough week. I mean, if there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that evil exists in this world. Uh, the Bible got it right. There is such a thing as sin. Uh, there is a battle between good and evil that's going on. Um, but I don't know about you over this week. I think the problem's not just out there. The problem's also in here. Uh, I don't know how aware you are of yourself, but this week I've been very aware of my own sinfulness. Now probably I knew I was preaching and there's always kind of a little bit of stress when you're going to go up in front of people. And so I was kind of, I just found that all week I was kind of chippy to my wife and I was kind of like difficult. I was kind of a rude husband and I'm just, I apologized to her last night. I'm like, yeah, I'm a sinful guy. All of us are sinful. Do you remember Pastor Dennis? Was our worship pastor for years. He's out in Vancouver or maybe watching from Mexico right now. Hello Dennis, which camera? I don't know, good, hope you guys are having a good uh, anniversary. Uh, he, uh, when we first came to the church, he was the worship pastor, and he would always have this line he would say, and it was, no perfect people allowed. I don't know if you remember that. No perfect people allowed. Said it all the time. Said it so much that I started to feel bad for the perfect people. I'm like, come on, come on, the perfect people can have some coffee. We got room, come on. But of course, his point was, uh, none of us are perfect. We're all flawed, right? We all have sin deep within us. And, and so there's no point walking around pretending that you've got it all together with like a facade of holiness, you know, smiling and putting on you. It, there's no point because it's not true. Of course, Dennis is on solid ground. If you look at the scriptures, you see all kinds of passages. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A couple of verses earlier, Romans uh, 3.10, there is no one righteous, no, not one. A few years before in the Old Testament, King Solomon, Ecclesiastes 7, 
Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Yeah, we've all, we've all got this disease within ourselves, right? Festering in there, growing in there. We've all got this problem. And so the question this morning is not, um, is there sin in your life? Because there is. The question is, what are you going to do with your sin? What are you going to do with your stuff? Um, as I see it, we have a couple of options, and I'd like to talk about both of them. Uh, option number one, uh, I have a daughter who was on the worship team a couple of weeks ago. She's playing the guitar. She's right over there. Don't look at her. Uh, <laughs> and uh, before coming to Portland, I was a, I was a youth pastor. Loved being a youth pastor. And uh, I'll get to the story in a minute. Actually, I'll show the picture. So this is, let's, let's go to the picture if we can. Yeah, oh, there she is when she's, this story happens when she's four. That's her and her friend, Michaela. Okay, you can take it off. That's, that's good. Uh, so I'm sitting in my office as a youth pastor, and I get a call from the, the national director. He's like, hey, Rob, he's like, we're having this big thing. There's going to be like 600 kids and 200 youth leaders, big retreat. We want to have some fun. Um, can you plan something? I know you're a games guy. He's like, if we give you like 4,000 bucks, two hours, and 800 people, can you come up with something fun? And I'm like, yes. Yes, I can come up with something fun. I, I like that stuff. I like those games. Uh, and so um, it was like a Mennonite church, uh, and, and, and so the big game that we all played is something called the Menno Run. Uh, it's like Anabaptist Reformation history. They're always being hunted, and, and so Zwingli's chasing them. And so we'd always play this game, and so I'm like, okay, we need to do the world's biggest Menno Run. It's going to be awesome. And Lord of the Rings was popular, so I'm like, it's going to be Menno Run Third Age, best game I ever did. And, and so uh, we're going to have like all these youth leaders, and we're going to get like red paint, and give them the hand of his red hand of Zwingli on their face. And we're going to give them like a slingshot shooting mush, marshmallows at kids. And, and of course, we've got to build siege engines. You know, we've got to build like a catapults and ballistas. Uh, and, and I wanted to build, uh, to throw water balloons, just water balloons. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to build the mother of all siege engine, which is, anybody? The mother, of, yeah, the trebuchet. That's what I'm talking about. The slingshot, kind of like the catapult slingshot. This is before the internet. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching Return of the King and I'm going frame by frame to see how this thing works. I'm like, I'm going to build a prototype. We're going to build four. And, I'm, and so I'm in my backyard and I'm building this thing. I'm thinking, I got the best job in the world. Someone's paying me to build a trebuchet. Kids love it, you know, it's an awesome job. And uh, so I'm building this thing. All of a sudden I, re I realize that I need a socket. So I go to the garage and all of a sudden, I come in, I hear these two girls playing, you know, the four years old, and they're having fun. All of a sudden, I, I come around the corner to the garage, and the girls are both like this, looking at me. And I'm like, uh, so I'm thinking, what's wrong? And my parenting spider sense kicks in, and I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on here? Some guilt. And I look, and they're standing next to my van, and it's super dusty. We're living in Manitoba, Canada. It's really dusty. And so... Um, I look at the van, and it's kind of like um, there's swirls, like paisley swirls of dust all over the outside of the van. Um, one of the girls is holding a sponge, and it's sort of wet, but they don't really have running water, and they don't have any water in the pail. So they're essentially trying to wash the van by smearing the dirt around, right? And I mean, they're four. I mean, they're so cute. They're standing there trying to do it. I'm like, aw. And, 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 but they're both looking at me, and I'm like, oh, girls. I'm like, it's okay. You know, oh, you're cleaning my van. Thank you. You girls are so nice. Thank you. I said, do you want me to get you some water? Uh, and, and, and so they start working, and I go back, get my socket, and then I'm going, I'm working, I'm like, there's something wrong here. I'm like, why would they be feeling guilty about, I'm a nice guy. I'm like, oh, I know what it is. Uh, there was like a, a big youth event coming, and I had all kinds of candy in the van. And I think, oh, I bet you they got into the candy. Uh, I had a lot of chocolate in there. I, I bet you they, okay, I'm going to go take a look. So I walk over to the van, 
open the door. Sure enough, between the front two seats, there's like one of those low Costco boxes, and there's all these like crumpled up pieces of paper, and there's like chocolate smeared all over the whole box. It's chocolate, and I'm like, oh, the girls got into the chocolate. So I'm like, girls, girls, and I come in, and, and now at this point, Amy's still standing there looking at me like this. And, but by this point, Michaela's starting to back away from me. In fact, she's, she's kind of like around the corner of the door, kind of like that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, come on, come on. And I'm like, girls, I'm like, I, I was just in the van. I think maybe somebody was sneaking some chocolate. I'm like, did, did you girls eat some of the chocolate? And, and, and Amy's like, and Michaela's like, and I'm like, well, okay, okay, girls, all right. But, and then I'm like, wait. And I realized that the boxes are unopened. Like I had looked, when I was looking, the plastic's still on them. So suddenly I'm like, how did they get the chocolate? And so I'm like, I gotta go take a look. So I go back to the van, I open the door, and I'm like, sure enough, the, the cellophane is unripped. I'm thinking, well, how did they get the chocolate? So I go and I, I grab the box, and I'm like, I'm like, you know what, actually that doesn't really look like chocolate. So I'm grabbing the box, that's right, somebody's getting And I pick it up, and I'm like, that's not chocolate. That, that may have been chocolate at one point. But it's something very different than chocolate. It was poo-poos. Someone had gone poo-poos in my van. And so I'm like, oh, man. Okay, so I'm like, okay, girls, come on in. And I come over to the girls. I'm like, girls, uh, now don't worry. You're not in trouble. Um, I think somebody may have gone poo-poos in the van. Did one of you girls go poo-poo in the van? I'm like, Amy, did you go poo-poos in the van? She's like. And I'm like, um, Michaela, did you go poo-poos in the van? She's like, no. And I'm like, well, then girls, if, if, if you girls didn't go poo-poos in the van, who went poo-poos in the van? Was it Oreo? Oreo's our Dalmatian. I'm like, did he go poo-poos in the van? And Amy's like, and Michaela's like. And I'm like, yeah, but, but wait a minute. How did, why, would Mika- why would Oreo like wipe himself? Like there's scrumpled up papers. Like dogs don't do that. They don't care. He doesn't have no opposable thumbs. Uh, and, and, and so I'm like, I'm like, you know, now I gotta get, I gotta be the smart parent. I'm gonna separate them. And so I'm like, okay, let's talk, Michaela. Let me just talk to you for a second. I'm like, Michaela. I said, don't worry, you're not in big trouble. I said, just be honest, Michaela. I'm like, uh, did did you go poo-poos in the van? She's like, and I'm like, Michaela, did Amy go poo-poos in the van? She's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, Michaela, thanks. You probably should go home and wash your hands. Uh, and, I'm, and so I'm like, Amy. And so Amy, I'm like, Amy. I'm like, Amy, I think I kneeled down. I'm like, Amy, is there anything more important to me than you and your brother and your mom? I mean, you are, don't worry, Amy, I love you. You're okay. I said, is there, you, you can be honest with me, you're not in big trouble. You're only four. I said, did, did you go, did, did Michaela, did you go poo-poos in the van? And Amy's like, I'm like, Amy, did Michaela go poo-poos in the van? Amy's like, she's not going to sell her friend out. And I said, okay, Amy, you go wash your hands, too. And, I, and at this point, I'm smart enough, I, I go say, I got to talk to my wife. So I'm like, Leslie, what, here's the situation. I don't know who did it. And Leslie's like, well, obviously it wasn't Amy. I'm like, how do you know? She's like, well, I know Amy. Trust me, it wasn't Amy. And then she goes, plus, if you notice, she's wearing jeans with a little ribbon that has a bow tie on it. She doesn't know how to tie a bow tie yet. She would have had to take that off and wouldn't be able to put it on. So Ames in the clear, it wasn't you. Congratulations. <laughs> but do you remember at the start of the story when I first walked into the garage you remember what the girls were doing? Yeah, you see what's going on there? They're smearing the dirt around. They realize that, that there, there's something in the van. There's something that stinks in the van. Maybe if they just clean hard enough on the outside that no one's going to see what's in the van. 
right? I mean, I can imagine the whole thing. The two girls are playing, they're having fun. One of them has to go to the bathroom instead of taking the 20 steps to my house or the 50 steps to Michaela's house across the street, literally probably 50 steps. They're like, hey, you know, it's a great idea. Let's just go to the bathroom here in the van. So they go into, into the door, shut the door, come into the van, start, go, I, won't, I won't demonstrate, they start going to the bathroom. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone to the bathroom in the woods or, or maybe uh, like in an outhouse. It smells. The modern invention of the toilet is incredible for what the water does. The water just takes away the smell. It's really a good thing. But without that, I mean, it's a stinky affair. So she's starting into it. Again, I won't demonstrate. And realizes pretty quickly this is not a good idea because it's a confined space. And, she, and she's like, oh, no. And then maybe at that point, they look around and they see a car driving by or someone walking by the sidewalk thinking, ah, oh, those windows aren't as tinted as I thought they were. And, and starts to feel incredibly insecure and frightened. What am I going to do? i got to cover this up. You know, I did something wrong. And so they're grabbing old church bulletins and trying to clean themselves. And they're trying to cover it all up. And they're thinking, and they're going to go outside. And they're like, maybe if I just smear the dirt around enough, maybe if I have this facade, if, if we polish the facade, no one will know that it's full of stuff in there, full of stinky poops, poo-poos. That's, that sounds better, poo-poos. <laughs> I mean, as adults sitting here listening, you're probably thinking, How, that's ridiculous. That's never going to work. They're going to figure it out. It's not like we were going to go for a year without telling there's something in our van, right? <laughs> but I wonder how many times we try this with God. Do you know what I mean? Not with poo-poos in a van, hopefully. <laughs> but with something else, you know, maybe, maybe you're on the internet, you're, you know, looking and you're like, oh, that looks like interesting. I'm going to click on that. And then you're kind of getting, you're like, oh, that's not good. And you're kind of like, I got <laughs> to delete the history. I don't want anyone to see this. I don't want anyone to know. Or maybe, I don't know, you're in some kind of situation at work and you're tempted to lie to get out of it and you're, you're suddenly realizing that I'm in trouble or you took something. Or I, I don't know what the situation is, but I wonder if you've been in that situation where you did something and, and suddenly your conscience starts bothering you. You're like, what am I going to do? Well, there's two options. The first option, try to cover it up. You know, try to put on the facade of holiness. No, no problem here. I'm all good. There's a guy in the Old Testament that tried that. Uh, he lived 3,400 years ago. His uh, name was Achan. Uh, now, if you remember the Old Testament, God creates humans, puts them in a garden, everything's great. We turn our backs on God. Things start to get bad really quickly, people killing each other. So he sends a flood, starts over with a guy named Noah. Again, same thing. Things go bad real quick. So he's about, about 4,000 years ago, 2,000 B.C., he's like, okay, I'm going to choose a people. Maybe they'll listen to me. He chooses Abraham, 2,000 B.C. Abraham has a son, Isaac, starts to go bad real quick. Jacob, uh, Joseph, now we're about 1850. Things are still going bad. So bad, in fact, that his brothers sell him into slavery. They beat him up. They're going to kill him. He goes to Egypt. Family eventually comes over there. And, and all the Israelites end up developing as a nation there for more than 400 years, where they become slaves. And they call out to God, and they say, God, please help us. And God sends them Moses. He brings them out. Now we're into the 1400s B.C. Um, and now God's going to do two things at once. He's got to find a place for his people but he's also going to judge some of the folks that live in the area. Now, at this point, we come to the book of Joshua. 1446, or 1406, they're coming into Jericho. Um, and at this point, some of us with modern sensibilities begin to get very uncomfortable with the story. Because God's saying, you know, you're going to judge these guys. You're going to go in there. You're going to kill them. You're, we're going to wipe them out. And we're all kind of like, ooh, I don't like that's genocide. I don't like that. That's not good. Um, but before you're too quick to judge God... Um, Maybe think about that for a second. My dad was an Old Testament PhD guy, really smart. And he'd say, remember that you don't really know what God knows. You know, it's easy to get mad for God for judging people. But can you imagine what it's like to be God, sitting up there in heaven, seeing every time a kid is bullied, every time a person is raped, 
every sexual abuse, every person breaking their marriage vows, every murder, every fight, every... And you're sitting there watching that day after day, and God's patient, and he waits, and he waits. But eventually, sometimes, it comes to a point where he says, enough, it's done. We're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. They're done. Nineveh, you're in trouble, unless you repent. Uh, and he does that at times. And honestly, do you want him not to do that? Do you want him to stay uninvolved? We're quick to judge God. My dad would point out that um, uh, in those days, one of the gods, that one of the idols that they worshipped, Molech, uh, would have human sacrifices. So here they are, the folks who want Molech to be happy. What do they do? They take the babies and they throw the babies into the fire. Well, you're God sitting up in heaven. How many babies do you let go into the fire before you intervene? At some point he says, no, I'm done. You guys are done. And so he says, you're going to go in and destroy Jericho. It's a tough book, not a popular book. If you were faking a Bible, you probably wouldn't have put this in, right? Um, it's actually a good sign. Uh, so, so sure enough, um, uh, sure enough, the guys are supposed to go into Jericho. They're supposed to destroy everything. And God doesn't want them to be like raping and pillaging, stealing. Uh, and so he says, don't, don't steal anything. Don't take anything. Just destroy and kill. And, and so they all go in. Uh, everything's good, sort of. And, and Achan is one of the guys, and they're fighting. Gives them the big victory. Incidentally, they, they march around the city seven times. Some have suggested that that gave people an opportunity to leave if they wanted to. It's not a siege. Went back to their camp at night. But they come in there. They're fighting. Achan sees this gold and silver and these clothes. And he's like, oh, I'd like to take those. He covets them. He's like, hmm, I'd like that. So he grabs them and he hides them. He puts them under his cloak. This is Joshua 7, by the way, if you're wanting to follow along. And he takes them. And then he brings him to his, it brings him home, and this is almost as bad. He kind of implicates his family. He buries them in the middle of the tent, which probably means he had to tell everybody not to say anything. Shh, I'm buried, you know. So he buries that. He thinks, good, no problem. I hit it. Nobody knows about it. There's no way my sin will find me out. Uh, it's all going to be good. And the next day, they go off, and they're going to fight a small town AI. But something's changed. Suddenly, God is not um, helping them to the same extent. He, they don't have God's favor anymore. And so they go off to fight Ai, this small town. They only send a few thousand guys. Um, and, but instead of winning this huge victory, they, um, they become fearful. And, and in the battle, they start to run. And the guys from Ai chase them, and they're killing them. 36 Israelites die. So they all get back to the camp, and now they're mad at God. What are you doing, God? You told us you were going to be with us. You told us you were going to help us. And God's like, yeah, well, you're not listening to me. You know, there's sin in the camp. And they're like, well, who is it? Who is it? And they go tribe by tribe and family by family. They find out it's Achan. So Joshua goes to Achan and says, is it you? And Achan's like, yeah, it's me. We did it. I admit it. They send guys to look at the tent. They find the stuff. And the story ends as violently as it begins. Um, the people end up stoning him and killing him. Terrible, terrible story. He thought he could hide his sin. He thought it'd be all right. But it turns out, be sure your sin will find you out, Right? Sin has a way of doing that. If you just let it in there, it festers. It's ugly. You don't want to leave that. Fortunately for all of us, we have another choice. We don't have to live with it. We have another choice. I'm, I'm going to talk about a verse in a second from Colossians. And there's a Greek word called chirographon. There it is. There it is. Oh, I got at least one guy that's going to know how to translate this in here. Uh, uh, it's from two words, chire and grapho. Grapho is like graphic or graphing. Anyone guess at what it means? Yeah, right. Oh, this is the smartest service. Don't, don't quote me on that, Internet. But you guys are the smartest, though. Nobody else got that. That's right, right? And chiro, this is harder. It's like chiropractor. Yeah, I know. You'd think it would be back. That's, but it's actually hand. So I guess that you straighten the back with your hand, I guess. I don't know. 
but yeah, Kyrie. So it's actually hand, it's, it's a handwritten note is what it is. But remember back then, they don't have a lot of paper and bics around. Uh, it's a little bit more rare. Well, what the chirographon is, it's a note of indebtedness. It's like a mortgage. So um, I've used Matt, my good friend Matt Robertson on the sound. Uh, let's say I owe Matt $20,000. I got in trouble. I did something wrong. I, I, he gives me $20,000. I write it out in my own handwriting. Um, and, and then instead of putting it in a bank somewhere, you nail it to the frame of my door. Now everybody can see it. Now for us, we're kind of like, yeah, big deal, mortgage. We've all got one, maybe several. Uh, but back in the day, this is not this is not a good thing. Like if you don't pay this back, they come, you know, they could take your kids and sell them into slavery. They could uh, torture you, put you in jail. This is this is like the mortgage on your soul, the chirograph. You do not want to have one of these. Every time you walk into your house, you see this thing. You're like, oh, I'm in trouble. Uh, every time your wife or your husband sees it, they're like, why did I marry that guy? Every time your children see it, they feel like uh, not secure. This is a terrible thing, the chirograph on. You don't want to have one of these. When I was in elementary school, I had a chirograph on. Not exactly a mortgage on my soul. It was a notebook. It's one of these spiral notebooks. You remember those? Uh, and, and now, here's the thing. I grew up in a college town. My parents were both teachers. Small town in Canada, 2,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. My parents both went to the same school, fell in love. Uh, they were both really good at school. My dad was like valedictorian a couple of years in a row. And the year that he didn't get, um, get it, my mom got it. So they finished one, two, like three years in a row. So everybody's thinking, okay, well, you got a smart dad and you got a smart mom. Their kids will probably be smart. You know, except that I wasn't. <laughs> I went to school. And I just was not good in school. I, I, I sat there and it was like, wah, 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 wah. I just couldn't listen. I don't know. They'd be talking, wah, 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 and I'd be thinking, I wonder if I could turn this building into a boat. <laughs> you know, or I wonder how you'd plan world domination if you only had spears. Or like just, just kind of random thoughts. I was thinking about different stuff. And, and, and so they gave me like a special teacher and a special room. And I'm like, I know there's nothing special about this. <laughs> this, is, this is not a good thing. You can't fool me. But I had terrible handwriting. I'm like, I didn't do well in school. And all the teachers were scratching their heads because they all knew my parents. They're like, I don't get this. And they're like, we're trying to figure me out. And so I just kind of live with that. I'm bad at school. Some people could do it. I can't. There was one subject that I was worse than any other subject. Anyone? Anyone? Math. You got it. Math. Yeah, everybody beginning in this special language called math. And I was like, I don't understand. I, I don't know what we're doing. And so they'd give homework. And I'd be like, ah. And there's like red ink all over. Well, I pretty much gave up until I had a teacher named Mrs. Tucker, Mrs. Weeb. I think she got married halfway through. Um, and, and so she came in one day, and she's like, I'm going to try some behaviorism on these kids. We're going to give them a reward. Now, our school, this is, remember, this is the late 70s, early 80s, had just come into possession of this marvelous piece of technology. Nobody in the town could afford it, 800 bucks for one of these. You could take it. You could hook it up to a TV, which is, of course, much smaller and heavier. Um, and, you could, and, and you could watch, you could literally watch a movie at home, like on your TV. I know, it was incredible. Like, none of us, I mean, we were living in a small conservative Christian town. You can go to movies because we're Christians. So we're like, whoa, we can watch Disney. <laughs> so we're like, this is incredible. Our teacher says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, on Monday, I'm going to give you homework, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you get all your homework done, on Friday, you show me the homework, we're going to go into the assembly room and watch a movie. And we're just like, you know, this is, 
<laughs> I can't dance. <laughs> We're like, this is small Christian town. Uh, like, this is incredible. This is, I, I'm like, and so I'm like, I can do this. I know I can do this. I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to listen. I'm going to get this because I can do it because I want to see that movie. And so I'm like, okay, here we go. So they give the homework out Monday, and I'm like listening, and it's like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, and, and, and then so I start working on the homework. I'm like, question number one, yeah, that first one's easy. Question two, it's getting harder. I think I can still do it. Question three, uh, do you know about question three? I'm like, uh, question four, I'm like, I'm just going to write something down. <laughs> I don't even know. You know, question five, and, and I'm like, I am getting lost here. And question six, and all of a sudden the bell rings. I'm like, oh, sick. So next day, you know, the teacher starts again, and I'm like, oh, i got to go back to Monday and finish Monday but I can't kind of remember what it was, and so I'm not doing that very well. Then Tuesday, I'm like, ah. Wednesday was a little bit easier. I got most of those. Thursday, not even close, not even close. Friday comes along. The teacher's like, okay, kids, okay, kids. Uh, everyone that has their homework done, let's get up and go watch the movie. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, as if, as if anyone finished that inhuman amount of homework. There's just no way. And to my horror, two-thirds of the class gets up and walking. I'm like, oh, how did they do that? And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, oh. But the teacher's like, don't worry, don't worry. If you finish now, you can keep working on it. As soon as you finish, you can join the other kids. I'm like, okay, great, all right. So I go back and I finish, try to finish Monday. Two kids get up and walk in. Okay, there's six of us. Another one. Finish Monday. Finish Tuesday. On to Wednesday. Two more kids. Now there's just two kids left in the room. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm one of the dumbest two kids in the room. Go me. And I'm like, oh. Then the other kid gets up and goes, great, the dumbest kid in the, in, the, in the class. And so I'm like, okay, I can still do this. Friday, I'm at Friday. Okay, here we go. Question one. Okay, yeah, I'm almost there. I'm getting there. Time's ticking. Time's ticking. Three more. Two more. Bell rings. Everybody gets up and goes. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't see it. Um, the next week was worse than the first week. The third week was worse than the second. Pretty soon I had this notebook. And it was full of red ink. It was like, not good enough. Try harder. Uh, incomplete. You're a failure. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, th this notebook became the objectification of my inability to live up to my awesome parents. I had these great parents. I wanted to be like them. I wasn't as good as them. And I'm like, and, and I hated this book. I hated it. I was embarrassed of it. it was, I, I was ashamed of this book. My parents could do it. Why couldn't I do it? Right? full of red ink. And, and pretty soon, guys, I didn't even try. I just go into class, and I'm like, you know, other people can do this magical language called math. I can't. Eh, I'll figure something out. You know, and, and I, just, I just sit there every week, and, I just, and so every Friday, it would be just me and the teacher, me and the teacher, me and the teacher, until finally, about a month before school was over, all the kids were in watching the movie, and, and Miss Tucker calls me up. She's like, Robbie, can you come up? And I'm like, okay, Mrs. Tucker. She's like, Robbie, can you bring your book? Okay. So I go and I get my book, pull it out. Here we go. Hand it to her. She's like, she starts flipping through it. She's like, oh, Robbie, this is not very good, is it? I'm like, no. She's like, oh, there's a lot of work you're not done. I'm like, I know. She's like, Robbie, I don't think you're going to be able to get this done by the end of the year, are you? And I'm like, no. And I'm wondering if I'm going to fail. She's like, yeah. She's like, Robbie, she's like, I want to make you a deal. I'm going to take this book, I'm going to throw it in the garbage. And I watched as this book of my shame went straight into the garbage. And she's like, Robbie, I'm going to give you a new book. I've talked to your mom. Uh, there's a new piece of technology. It's called a loose-leaf binder. 
<laughs> and what we're going to do is you're, we're going to come in every day. I'm going to give you one piece of paper, one piece of paper. And we're going to give you the assignment. Maybe the other kids get it. Maybe you don't. Uh, but you're going to work as hard as you can in class. And then as soon as you go home, you're going to go home to the kitchen table. You're going to sit there. Your mom's going to sit with you. I've talked with her. And you're going to work on that thing until you get it. And maybe it's going to take 15 minutes. Maybe it's going to take a couple hours. But you're going to get it. And she goes, Robbie, you're going to do that on Monday. You're going to do that on Tuesday. You're going to do that on Wednesday. You're going to do that on Thursday. And Robbie, on Friday, you are going to watch that movie with those other kids. And I just thought, and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And I went home. And, you know, there were days. I don't know if some of you know what I'm talking about. There were days where there was hours at that kitchen table. And there were tears. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and working that. But I did it Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'd go to I'd show her every morning. I'd come in and show her to her. Um, and Friday, I went in and saw the movie uh, with all the other kids. Now, the reason I tell you this story is because this is exactly what God wants to do with us. He doesn't want you to keep your sin in there. He doesn't want it to fester and stink. He doesn't want you to carry around this book of shame with all your failings. No, he wants to, get, he wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to give you a blank slate. Colossians 2, I was referencing, 13 to 14 says... When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled the chirograph on, which was hostile to us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take your book. He wants to nail it away. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. I love Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. See, we all have two options. Every one of us in this room, we've got it inside sin. You can hide it. You can live with the stink. You can try to polish the facade of holiness, the dusty van. Or you confess it. You bring it to God and say, here's the truth. I'm struggling with this. I have an addiction. Or I'm caught in something. I've done this. And I need help. We can talk to our friends. We can talk to our pastors. We can allow God to take it away, to give us a fresh start, a blank slate. There's a video that's been going around for a bunch of years. I still love it. I wanted you guys to see it, even though it's old. It moves me every time, and it kind of illustrates the whole journey. Would you watch? Sleep. 